This week's episode 31 Sirens Original air date 7th of October 1993 Hello and welcome to Scuttercast 31 This week I'm joined by Anthony Hello And Andy Hello We'll be reviewing the episode Sirens after a quick synopsis read by Anthony. 200 years after investigating the Esperanto, the Red Dwarf crew awakes from suspended animation as they set out on board Starbuck to find Red Dwarf, which has vanished without a trace. They stumble upon an asteroid field containing lost spaceships. There they find the asteroid field is inhabited by sirens, genetically engineered alien creatures that telepathically lure the ship's crew onto the asteroids and suck out their brains. Thank you very much, Anthony, for reading that, and thank you very much, Smeeky, for providing that. Right, just before we get on to the episode review, Anthony, you've just got a little thing to say. Yeah, um, I've seen a few postings about this. Um, it's, on, it's listed on the official site. Um, just a little note about Series 6 as a whole, uh, which basically says that uh, Red Dwarf US, USA has failed. Uh, fans are demanding more stories set aboard the Red Dwarf ship and they want more Holly. Right. So in other words, they're looking for something more like Series 1 and Series 2. Yeah. So Grant Nay- Grant, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor uh, got rid of both Red Dwarf and Holly. Right. Okay. So, that, you know, <laughs> so yeah, and uh, oddly enough, I think it, it works as a whole. Yeah, um, yeah. Now the script for Sirens was actually released a few months before the episode aired because uh, it was included in the Primordial, Primordial Soup Least Worst Scripts book. Oh, okay. Uh, that was released a few months before, so people did actually have a sneak peek of Sirens before it aired. Excellent. The first scene starts, and you see this bed coming down, and the first thing I thought when I saw this, I mean, uh, you know it's Lister, but the first thing I thought was Teen Wolf. <laughs> Just this a lot massive hair, long fingernails, long toenails. I always thought he looked like some sort of Greek philosopher, like, I don't know, Socrates or something like that. Well, I think what threw me at the beginning with this is um, Lister's actually got socks on and then these long nails. When you first view it, it looks like he's got really hairy legs. That's why I think I thought it was Teen Wolf. (laughs) But he gets out of the bed and he's been in status, but it can't be in like a true status, otherwise his hair and his nails won't have grown. For some reason, there's a pencil sharpener on the end of his bench, and he just sticks his nails in. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but I always that always makes me cringe when I see him doing that. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the fingernails snaps before he actually puts it in the sharpener, and that's that's a bit that makes my spine dither. <laughs> yeah. The sound effect of it snapping is pretty good as well. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty gross. Yeah. <laughs> The next scene starts and Crichton, he's thrown away some rubbish into the garbage compactor. But I guess if everybody's been in stasis, then what's the rubbish for? Are we assuming that Crichton's been active for the full 200 years as well? Well, that, that's what I'm assuming. But if, if he's had 200 years of cleaning with nobody messing the place up, then it should be gleaming, shouldn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. There'll be no clothes to do, there'll be no nothing. A bit weird one, that. Um, The commentary on this one, uh, Robert Llewellyn mentions that um, there's yet another significant improvement to the um, Crichton outfit. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's a lot more flexible, a lot more comfortable for him. Now, when they filmed Back to Earth, he kept going on about how uncomfortable that Crichton outfit is. Yeah. And every single series, he has mentioned this significant improvement in comfort. I dread to think how uncomfortable it must have been when he first appeared in Series 3. Oh, yeah. It must have been horrible. <laughs> yeah. The next scene starts, and Lister is walking down... Well, he's walking down the stairs in like this new and improved Starbuck, the one that we then come to know from this Series 6. Well, this new Starbuck, it's totally different to what we've seen before. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, uh, it's loads bigger, it's got a kitchen. Like you say, there's a staircase leads down from the sleeping quarters. Uh, if you think back to the Marooned episode, yeah. all you'd got was the cockpit, a back room, and a load of lockers against the back wall. That was pretty much it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if this had been the inside of the one on the Marooned, they'd have been, yeah, this is cool, we can live here. Yeah. Lister finds out that he's been out for 200 years, and he's got, well, a little bit of amnesia. He doesn't really remember anything about himself. Can you remember the wake-up scene from Last Human? Remind me? He he wakes up with the amnesia and Christine Kachansky comes in to remind ah, him. Ah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a much better version in the Last yeah. Human novel. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, by this point, um, apparently what had happened was Series 5, Red Dwarf had picked up a lot of new viewers. It was at a peak for, you know, viewers so far yeah um because it was growing in popularity they decided to deliberately bring in this amnesia storyline just to bring everybody up to date with what the whole situation was Uh, not not just the fact that red dwarf's missing but it brings every it just brings everybody in as to the sort of person rimmer is uh, yeah the sort of person rimmer is the sort of person lister is what their situation is it just spells it all out for them um so it saves people having to go back or lose interest through not knowing yeah, you know, yeah. basically losing out on little gags well i mean that's i understand that from lister and they, they explain what he's like and then when they're rebuilding rimmer they explain what he's like but the cat's just kind of a a cat i guess they, they don't really reintroduce him do they they don't really explain it not like the uh you know the uh the holly monologues from series one and two yeah yeah the cat sleep for 200 years as well then didn't show him like overgrown and didn't they didn't uh, Lister insist on another six months or something that's right yeah yeah he he insisted on one more season or something like that was it that's where the rubbish come from then yeah I guess so yeah Crichton's pointing out that he has curry sauce for his breakfast or should say cold curry sauce he has grated onions on his cornflakes and he start he likes to start the day off with a warm lager, and he he sleeps with a tea strainer at the side of the bag to strain any sig butts in. I have to admit, I have done that before myself. Flat lager after a night. Oh, no, not straight straight cigarette. No, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 cigarette ducks. I've done that before, but that's a long time ago. But <laughs> yeah. It works for a hangover. It's the life of an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Things you do as a kid. <laughs> they bring Rimmer back online and they just have his light bee now are we assuming from this that the light bee was frozen now that yeah it's weird because it's they kind of put it in a I don't, pan. Know if it's, I don't know if it's a clear plastic box or if it's uh, and it does look like an ice cube doesn't it yeah 
but yeah, it's a, it, it is a, it, I was scratching my head at that one. Uh, also, I don't know if you've noticed, but they put the light bee on the floor. Yeah. And then they start downloading Rimmer. And when he's finished downloading, he's stood there. The light bee's still sat on the floor in between his feet. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, they, did, they didn't bother shifting it. or you know, <laughs> uh, Nobody will notice that. They left it where it was. I'm going to say why did they keep him in the fridge and then I thought it might be just a, you know, the rumour of uh, put stuff in the fridge and reset the code for you. Might have lost the code for him. Well, you, you mean like on Ford <laughs> stereos and stuff? That's see, you from it, Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> the next scene starts, and they're all sat at the table. Um, Lister has got his memory back, and apart from his his like long johns, he's looking very, very clean, like overly clean. Rimmer, uh, well, as you mentioned earlier, Anthony, uh, Rimmer explains that they've lost Red Dwarf and explained that Lister parked behind a planet. And I thought this was a very, very good way of explaining the whole Red Dwarf is missing storyline. It was done in this little this little bit here, and that, that's all they needed to do. Everybody knew what was going on, and everybody was up to speed. Crichton says they've been tracing Red Dwarf's vapor trail for 200 years, and they've only caught up. However, Red Dwarf is going to make a detour around an asteroid field, but Starbuck, being the size it is, can actually go through the asteroid field. Crichton also mentions that they can finally catch up and recover Holly which suggests that Holly is on Red Dwarf and she's not on Starbug which means demons and angels just wouldn't have worked because she was on Starbug with them. Is that something to do with the distance from Starbug itself from like from the ship? Um, Possibly is- yeah maybe maybe there was yeah maybe it's like a wi-fi range or something like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like but like in demons, demons and Angels the ship actually blew up didn't it? It's yeah. gone. And yet Holly was still around. Unless somehow she can, perhaps there's a, a lower IQ version of Holly that can actually travel on Starbug and they just happen to leave her behind on Red Dwarf. I don't Possibly, yeah. I don't think the storyline ever gets filled in, does it? So it's only speculation. Mm. This suggests that Cat drives down to his um, superior reflexes. But I think this is the first time that they've actually mentioned that he does have these superior reflex. I, I know it, at the end of the day he's a cat, but this is the first time he's starting to use his nose for anything, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, I think they're looking for more for his character to actually do. Yeah. You know, he's very, he's very different from the series one cat. And I think on such a small ship, you know, with the sort of adventures that they, they start having, yeah. uh, instead of becoming a situation comedy, it becomes like a, an adventure comedy each yeah, episode. Yeah. And I think they realized that the series one cat wasn't going to cut it. I mean, it's slowly been changing, but this is a way to actually make him an important member of the crew, isn't it? Yeah, sure. In fact, you, I think you've just nailed that. I've been trying to think about this episode and how it felt so different. And it was more of like a standalone action episode. You know, like you get on, I don't know, let, let's say like Star Trek or something, um, mm. where something happens, you've got, well, you've got quite a lot happening. It's less about the actual guys and more about the story arc, uh, just the way it starts and ends and everything. I think in this one, compared to a lot of the others, this one doesn't tell you what's going on straight away like a lot of others get explained of the situation they're in yeah yeah this one sort of plays out as from begin. it's got a beginning middle of an end yeah yeah you've got like a, a beginning and end mashing to one of the you know you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean makes sense it makes sense in my head you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah so if uh 
if the cat can smell the rocks and the meteorites coming towards them, so how come we can't smell the sirens? It's a valid point, unless they've just not got a distinctive smell or the fact that he can smell them, but hasn't got a bloody clue what they are because he's not smelled them before. You you don't know if it's a siren-induced false smelling, do you? That that's a very valid point. Yeah, it could it could just be a case of the sirens of um, messing with his mind. He can't trust his nose. Yeah. The next scene starts, and there's an external shot of Starbug flying through like an asteroid field. And I thought the CG on this looked very good. I mean, you, you, Starbug is going in a straight line, but just the um, rocks that were floating around it, I thought they looked very, very good. As mentioned earlier, I think this is the first time that we see the cat using his smell for steering. They've decided that what they're going to do, they're actually going to use this waste disposal, which was obviously in the second scene. It plays a big part, but I didn't understand why they'd have the waste disposal in the new cockpit. It seems a little bit of a strange place to put one. It was convenient for the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think it's somewhere that you would put a waste disposal. I, well, I don't think it'd be a, bit, a little bit dangerous, to be honest, wouldn't it? It would make sense. They've got a kitchen. It would make sense for it to be either in the kitchen or just outside of the kitchen door. Or maybe next to the airlock. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing they made this over the hundreds of years that they were asleep. Well, yeah. I mean, that could answer the question why they've now got four seats in in the cockpit and why the entire interior has changed. Maybe maybe that's what Crichton's been up to for 200 years. Got bored. He's, made, he's made Starbuck bigger. <laughs> he's added, <laughs> he's added an upstairs <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> got more and expanded. Yeah. <laughs> You should see the library in the swimming pool. <laughs> I wonder, you know, please, if somebody knows the answer to this, drop us a, an email in. But maybe this is where the first time we see the nanobots and maybe it's them got bored and they've gone and done stuff. Correct. I mean, if they can change Red Dwarf into a planet and back. Um, Perhaps they realise that, hang on, we, we got an episode out of Marooned, you know, with that set. We can't really do a full series or two, you know, just on that set. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's probably what it is. Cool. As they're flying through the asteroid field, they actually come across, it's like a ship graveyard. There's just loads and loads of, um, well, destroyed ships. Yeah, I mean, the, the models that's in the... Uh, asteroid field some of these are fantastic ship models and initially you think you know that's a bit detailed for what is essentially just a flyby shot you know you, yeah, you see yeah. it once that's it and a lot of them are actually from other tv and film um there's i, don't know, I was checking i think it was on uh, wikipedia okay um and there's the narcissus escape shuttle from alien Oh, right, okay. And I believe it's the actual model itself. Uh, there's the Eagle from Space 1999. Right. Uh, now, I've seen those written in quite a few places, uh, but one that Wiki pointed out, and I've not seen it pointed out anywhere else, is that there's also a Star Trek Klingon Vorcha, is it? Vorcha attack cruiser. Uh, there's only Wikipedia that I've actually seen that ship named on. But, um, oh, well, that means yeah, it's it just, obviously right. It, it's Wikipedia. It's the truth. <laughs> that's, that, that's there. But yeah, it's, uh, there's some excellent models, you know, that they fly by, and you know, some of them are actually from different, uh, you know, different sci-fi from TV and film. Uh, cool. Really, really good. Well, I tell you what, I did like on this um, the Scouter. I know we mentioned it before that it's very much like the droid from Empire Strikes Back. But this one, yes. it also yeah. reminded me a lot. Um, you know, with the the three balls around the bottom. 
the first thing that popped into my head was, do you know the the film Black Hole? You had Maximilian yeah. and you had Vincent. Yeah. Very like the Vincent robot, a very similar shape. Which one? The the new one or the battered one that spoke like an old yeah, prospector? Yeah, that, that one, I think. <laughs> um, um, I'm not sure which way around it was. It was the one that went up against Maximilian. Yeah, there was there was two of them, weren't there? Yeah. Um, one were battered and the other one was in quite good nick. Yeah, uh, but it just reminded me of that quite a lot. The next scene starts and the scouter goes onto the ship, or I should say onto one of these ships, and you see it cut down the door. As it's going along, it's looking for the black box and it comes across this guy who's... Um, He's wrote sirens in blood and with it, well, with his own blood and with his intestines. And uh, they make the little joke about what I don't understand is why he's um, he used his kidney as a full stop. <laughs> and it's where Rimmer just gives it, well, I don't think he used it, I think it just like plopped out there. <laughs> yeah, but who would do such a thing? <laughs> yeah. A man that needed a pen, that line I'd have been stitches. Uh, yeah. it's, th- this oh, is well. one of those throwaway one-liners I were on about. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's Lister, isn't it, that says that someone that desperately needed a pen. Yeah. It, just, it is absolutely hilarious. It's like a throwaway line that is so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the scouter finds the black box, and the last entry is a man having his brain sucked out with a straw by a large bug type thing and we can at this point we can only imagine that these are the sirens yeah well these played by richard riddings the uh bloke and there's a massive i checked his imdb and i've seen him plenty of times on telly yeah and he's got a massive um list of uk tv that he's appeared in uh, but one of the interesting things is he is the voice of the DNA computer in Red oh, Dwarf right. DNA, okay. uh, which uh, I hadn't realised before. No, me neither. There is another line in this when he, uh, the siren attacks him. Yeah. And he falls on the ground and he goes, oh, you splattered my uh, tomato sauce all over the camera. <laughs> Did you hear that one? No. <laughs> 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 ah, because that explains the whole scene because he's like really throwing food down his face, isn't he? Yeah, and he hits the floor. He goes, Oh, you splattered tomato sauce all over the camera. Well, that was funny. Sorry. Ah, that, because I, I, when I was watching that scene, I thought, Why is he stuffing like a hot dog or something in his mouth? Well, they could, I don't think they could show blood, could they? They can't show blood on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the camera, can they? So, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Like that. Makes a lot more sense. I feel stupid because I've never never picked up on that before. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I didn't pick up on it either. I, I saw him eating his food, but then you see the red stuff come across the screen, but I just I just assume that's blood. Maybe I'm just so desensitised. <laughs> <laughs> I just find this episode really funny. Yeah. Like anyway, uh, when you see uh, the tomato sauce come across the screen, uh, Rimmer does, well, he basically faints. <laughs> The next scene starts and Lister explains that the scout has, has looked on another three ships and now knows that the sirens are genetically engineered life forms, that all other person's perceptions telepathically. And basically they, they try and get him down on the ship, they rob what they need and then they suck the brains out. There's an incoming message on the screen and these three scantily dressed women and they've said, we are merely 3,000 women and we need seed spreaders. <laughs> the cat's up against the screen. He's like, that's my job. I'll do that. 
<laughs> it's the way he comes back is, wait a minute, you don't think. And they're all just looking at him. <laughs> just, nodding, so just being slightly paranoid. You don't think that they were sirens. <laughs> well, one of, the, one of these temptresses, um, again, checked out the IMDb. Not a lot to say, but one of them appeared four years later with Craig Charles in his failed show i suppose you'd call it captain butler all right okay um but yeah uh, apart from that there's not a lot to say about the actresses there okay um Crichton explains that that's all i needed to fool the cap because uh, lister's like well if that's the most they can do then we haven't got to worry next thing you see pop up on the screen is well the, there's a big fight scene going on reminds me a lot of aliens and you see kachansky and she's explaining that she has two kids this is uh, yeah well just before we see kachansky we see um captain tau yeah um who's played by anita dobson who that's right most yeah. people recognize as you know angie from eastenders yeah um now apparently the the crew uh the makeup crew were nervous about making her look dirty you know they were gingerly putting on this dirt and she's turn around to him she says look i love it you know just slap it on um but the character's name captain tau is named after the captain from red dwarf usa oh right okay and um, that was her her name on there uh something else as well she she calls the kids jim and bexley that's right um, yeah well, list has already got two sons called jim and bexley from the end of series two yeah um so presumably Christine knew that he was going to name his kids. Um, um, if she didn't, should this have been the first clue for Lister that all is not right, that these are actually sirens? Well, we haven't heard about it for a while, but his original plan was Fiji, Kachansky, two kids, Jim... It, it, dep- it depends how much... Because, you see, depending on what you listen to, yeah. um, it, there's, there's one there's one line of thought that says that Lister and Christie. Christine Kachansky had very little to actually do with, you know, he admired her from afar and they had very little to actually do with each other. Yeah, and then there's another the line box. of thought that says that they did actually have a relationship where I suppose they'd have shared that sort of information. Yeah. Um, I mean, something else as well. This is actually Claire's final appearance as Kachansky. Yeah, uh, yeah. Her first one since Stasis League. And, um, yeah, I think it's really sad that next season they actually... You know, I, I like Chloe Annette. Um, when you saw her at the uh, Dimension Jump as a person, she's lovely. But you know, Christine Kachansky to me will always be the Claire Grogan version. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, I know what you mean. A, li- a little bit gritty and flirty and uh, more common. You know, not the sort of person that grew up with horses and private school and daddy will see me right. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. That's you know, I prefer this Claire Grogan version. And yeah, just a shame that this is actually a final version, final one, and then next series we end up with a different one altogether. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I guess it's like the last episode that we reviewed. That was the last one of Hattie as well. So Mm. it's obviously this season where everything changed. There's a meteor heading for Starbug, and Crichton's saying, no, I think this is a Sirens, don't worry about it. He's saying, no, look, it's coming straight for us. There's nothing on the scanners, and Crichton's like, no, I think this is a sirens. I risk my reputation on it. <laughs> and Ray was like, no, no, you don't have a reputation. He says, nope, I, I'm planning on earning one from this. <laughs> and you see this fireball come flying at them, go through them. And it's it's probably one of the best Crichton lines, this engaged smug mode. Um, it's just one of those lines that stuck with me for a very, very long time. And to be honest, it's, 
it's a line that I use quite often. The mm, gauge smoke mode. <laughs> Just one git. Crichton disappears and Lister disappears. And there's the cat and Rimmer. And then there's a second meter heading for them. Rimmer trying to be Rimmer says, Oh no, don't worry, it's the sensors that are wrong, don't worry about him. <laughs> just just keep on going. And this meteor hits them smack on. And I'm I'm sorry, but the size of this meteor, the size of Starbug, and this meteor then carry, keeps on going in the same direction, and fronting the Starbug's just a little bit burnt. And I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but most of it might have been gas. Flammable gas with a tiny pebble in the middle. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> Well, when the actual uh, meteorite hits Starbug, yeah, um, the writing on the side, Starbug 1, is actually reversed. It's mirror-imaged writing. So at some point, somebody decided to flip the special effects shot for some reason. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, that's the first time I'd spotted that. Okay. Well, you see this crash down onto the planet and really good special effects. Apart from right at the back, you could see two black strings actually holding <laughs> the back of Starbuck up. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this, to me, is a perfect example shot of um, why you have to use model shots as opposed to CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CGI can look fantastic. You know, the, the first few seconds of uh, Back to Earth is a good example of how good CGI can look. Yeah. But it can only look that good if you're slowly drifting past it. When it comes to actually crashing or, you know, some form of action, um, you've got to have a model shot. You know, the way this uh, Starbuck crashes onto the asteroid, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It does look very, very good. The next scene starts and they're all okay. There's minimal damage. Lister then go, <laughs> goes through and suggests to the cat that because the only thing left in a crash is the black box and a small little doll, they've actually made Starbuck out of the same material to make the small little doll. <laughs> and <laughs> cat gives it, really? He says, oh, you're so gullible. He says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they say it, uh, it's crashed more times than a ZX-81. Yeah. It sort of suggests that they, there's one and they keep fixing it. Starbuck, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it is, because, I mean, we've said through all the episodes that, is this another Starbug one? Or do they just name them all Starbug one? Or how many have they lost or dropped or... <laughs> <laughs> how many have they left behind and... Yeah, yeah, based on that, that would suggest that they do go and recover them. I mean, we, we're not seeing an exact timeline, are we? So there could be weeks, months, years even between each one of these episodes. They find out that they, they are good to take off and they can set off again. However, the front leg is buried and it's just going to need the bazookoid to blast the front leg free. So Lister is going to be man enough and he's going to go do it. The next scene starts and Lister is outside with the bazookoid and he meets a siren in the form of Pete Trance's sister. Well, the you know the shot that it's got Lister blasting the leg free? Yeah. Right, now they actually used a... Um, it's, it's the Starbuck model... And they put it in the foreground with Craig in the distance, okay. you know, to get the yeah, yeah. Uh, perspective right, right. Which I thought was uh, it's a clever way of doing it. And they had to build a life-size Starbug leg, okay, um, to stand next to Lister. So basically, what you're looking at is um, a smaller model, and then they've got this leg put into place so that it looks right, and they've got to have the camera at the right uh, right position to make everything work. Yeah, and yeah. it's quite an effective way of doing it. Yeah, I um, agree. 
Also, I was I was listening. Uh, this is again from the commentary. It says when they were planning this series out, when they first went into talks with it, this particular scene, they'd got plans to go out to Morocco. They was going to do all this filming in Morocco and what have you. They ended up using a quarry off the M25 instead. <laughs> <laughs> right. <okay. laughs> um, I think I think it's round about here as well that uh, Robert Llewellyn says that he's on about some of Crichton's characteristics. He says some of them are based on Herman Munster. <laughs> <laughs> which he, when he once he said it it's like yeah i can't actually see that now the way he moves in that yeah well i i thought with the series that Crichton is a lot more i don't know if it's the new suit or whatever but he does seem a lot more robotic if you know what i mean mm, it, it, possibly yeah it was just something i noticed anyway pete's trance's sister or the siren is talking to lister and says oh i know you fantasized about me and all the rest of it and Lister knows he's smart enough and he knows that it is a siren, but he just gives in to her. And so he starts kissing this woman who's like scantily dressed. But then when the camera spins around and he's basically, ah, it's quite disgusting. It's like this long (laughs) sucker that he's like got his tongue down the throat of. ah. (laughs) It is kind of hideous. And uh, I mean, she's a a nice, I can't remember the actress's name now. I think, um, was she in The Bill or London's Burning or something? I think she was in The Bill. Okay. Um, But yeah, she's really quite nice in this. Uh, one, One thing I did pick up on, the siren points out, Pete Tranter's sister points out that um, it asks him how long it's been since he's been with a woman. It's yeah. been over three million years. Right. What about parallel universe? Yeah, I guess. Lister got pregnant, so I'm assuming that they did more than uh, yeah. play Drink. tiddlywinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, you've got the... Um, in the polymorph, you know, when um, he's laid with Rimmer's mother, although it is the polymorph, um, does he actually sleep with the polymorph thinking it's Rimmer's mum or did he just say that? Or um, I don't know because he's got the look on his face like he has done or maybe he just had the look on his face because he knew it would get to Rimmer. But yeah, I would, I would contest this three million years. I'd say that this 200 years of which most of that was spent in stasis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just got a thing for aliens I mean if we've had the polymorph and he's had the siren <laughs> maybe he's just getting desperate up there it's three million that, years that desperate he slept with a female version of himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah in fact a female version of himself and uh, two aliens <laughs> what a guy <laughs> So anyway, he's kissing this siren and all of a sudden there's a spike comes through his, her, its chest and it's, it's Crichton. He says, oh, come on, Dave, I rescued you. And he susses out from that that Crichton is actually a siren as well. He's then on the radio saying, listen, I'm on my way in, but um, it's getting bad out here. He says, oh no, it's turned into the weather girl. From- <laughs> <laughs> this is the weather girl from channel, is it 57? Can't remember. He says, oh, just ignore it. Siren says, yeah, but you can't see what she's doing with a pointy stick. <laughs> <laughs> then you see him coming into Starbug and then they're just about to take off and then there's another lister outside. So they decide that they need to bring them both in and try and find out which one's the siren. The next scene starts and the two listers uh, sat in the long johns and both in chairs. I thought this was, because of the angle that it was done on, I thought this was very, very clever split screen. What what they seem to have done previously is they've just split the room in two, but this was on like an angle, so they were overlapping, weren't they? Yeah, it's either been down the middle or 
top to bottom before, hasn't it? This is, you know, this is actually, like you say, it's it's across at a weird angle. Yeah, yeah. I think this split screen is very good, especially when the uh, he's playing his guitar. Yeah. He sort of like crosses over, the, incorporated the hand, and then flicks it back. Yeah, yeah. Like I just thought the timing and everything of this was done very well. I mean, they were just listed talking to himself. It was... I just thought it was very, very well done. They've obviously got doing split screen down to a T. So after a series of tests, so Crichton throws two apples at them, they're both catching the right hand, it gives them both a pair of nail scissors and says, right, go for it, clip your toenails, and they both just pull a leg up and start chewing on the toenails, which is rank. It's rather flexible at Craig as well. I yeah. Know, I can't achieve that. <laughs> I'm not sure I could either. Then Crichton gives Lister the guitar. What do you want to chew my toenails for? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> he gives a guitar to one of the Listers and he plays it really well. He plays it, well, like a very good guitarist. And they realise that that's not Lister and they shoot him. But wouldn't of this, uh, with it being like a bazookoid, or wouldn't that have just destroyed the guitar as well? Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's like a handheld thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's got like uh, a, a pistol almost. Yeah, it's um, you see the bazookoids are obviously mining equipment, and then unless it's for blowing up smaller rocks, they use this little hand pistol version. Um, one of the things as well, um, Lister's guitar, it's uh, it's got all six strings on it and all finely tuned. Yeah, I thought that. Um, I can't remember the exact spec, but wasn't it? It's like five strings and three of them are G or. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, well, this is... Uh, they were going to use... Uh, they've Obviously, they don't use Craig Charles's hand on the close-up of the guitar playing. And uh, they were going to use Anita Dobson's then-boyfriend, uh, which is Brian May from Queen. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, now, he didn't think his hands looked enough like Craig Charles's, So they actually got in Phil Manzanera from Roxy Music instead. And okay. that's whose hands you actually see on screen playing the guitar. Ah, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, just just to mention from before, I, I know you mentioned the, the pistol thing. Where the hell has this come from? Because we've seen the bazookoids right from the beginning, but this pistol just seems to have come from nowhere. Uh, again, uh, is it something that Crichton's made over the last 200 years? <laughs> Unless it's some sort of flare gun, you know, with them being on Starbug and away vehicle. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Well, no, no, because when he shot him, it shot like laser. At it. A flare gun loaded with bazookoid uh, <laughs> ammo. <laughs> Maybe. I guess if uh, they got this wrong, Crichton would have broke his programming since he'd have killed a human. human. Yeah. He must have been 100% to take that shot. Well, you think they'd have used the crossbow, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the, the thing is, we, we know that Lister can't play like that. Well, he is 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's, while he's been out trying to blast that with a bazookoid, he's suddenly learned how to play or something. It's like the Matrix and he's had it downloaded into his head. <laughs> the fact that that wouldn't have happened out there would suggest that, you know, <laughs> maybe it was the siren. <laughs> anyway, they, they look around and Dave Lister is complaining and just saying, well, hang on, I can play like that. Look, I'll show you. <laughs> and he just plays, like, terrible. And then they look around and the siren's actually slithered off into the cargo decks. And Rimmer and Crichton are going to go after it, but then <laughs> Rimmer comes out with the line and says, there's only one problem with your plan, and you know what it is, and then walks off. <laughs> so unless he's trying to say that A, is a chicken, or B, is actually a hologram, can't do anything, or I think it's probably chicken. Chicken, yeah. <laughs> the next scene starts, and Crichton is on his own, 
he's got this device in his hand. It's almost like, I don't know, it's like detecting the siren. So it's like a size scan, but like a mini size scan, I'm not sure. Bucket scan. <laughs> yeah, bucket size version. They've been busy, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> <Some> years. <laughs> he finds the siren and he tries to reason with it. And he says, listen, there's nothing in my head. It's not worth it to you. He says, just leave me alone. And the siren turns into a Professor, uh, is it Mammoth? Yeah. And because he's programmed not to harm her and also obey every command that she gives him. And you find out that it's actually his um, creator. This siren, Mamet, it's played by uh, Jenny Agutta. Okay. And she's an absolute legend of British acting. Um, just to name a few of her, th- you know, a few things that she's been involved with. There's the Railway Children, uh, Six Million Dollar Man. Um, she was the main woman in Logan's Run. Uh, very nice in that. Oh, uh, okay. Eagle has landed. American Wolf in London. You know, she's the nurse in that. Um, <laughs> in 1990, she sung backing vocals for Prefab Sprouts, Wild Horses. Wow. Uh, an Emmy Award winner in 1978, a BAFTA Award winner in 1971, um, an absolute legend of British acting. And here she crops up in Red yeah. Dwarf. And in 1993, you know. just to add to it, she's in Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, it, I mean, it shows the sort of celebrities that they've started fetching in. Um, I mean, you've got Angie from EastEnders, and <laughs> now you've got. <laughs> yeah, might be worth a couple of quid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because she's his creator, she makes him get in the waste compactor. She's she's a bit cruel, really. She makes him get in it and then press the button that does the compacting as well. <laughs> uh, the rest of the crew come downstairs, and Ola can see is a bazooka on the floor. As they're coming down the stairs, Rimmer runs out of battery, so that leaves two. It leaves the cat and Lister. The siren turns into a vending machine. I'm surprised that they didn't notice it before. This big red vending machine. And they go to get a drink instead of looking for the siren for some reason. And it <laughs> turns into the siren and just knocks them both out. However, as they're on the floor, the siren's getting out its straw to suck out their brains. Crichton gets out of the waste compactor in a... Um, I'm not that good at maths, but I'm pretty sure his body mass wasn't that when he got in there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he walks along the uh, the top ledge and actually rolls off and knocks the siren out. Well, the thing is, he falls. The distance that he falls is further than the entire height of Starbug. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it, this one thing I've noticed about this new Starbug. It seems to be a lot bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. What, you mean like a TARDIS? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, I think it's no coincidence that half of the effects people worked on Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's also this special effects model on the DVD um, yeah. that was done. It wasn't used, but it's um, they basically superimposed the crew into the Starbucks windows. So oh, okay. as Starbucks flew through space, you can see the crew inside moving around. Yeah, yeah. But again, all the scales are wrong. You know, the the feet to be sticking out the bottom of the cab they were that big through these windows you know um, it just doesn't quite work the way it should um, I mean they, they didn't use it I think it was just a, an experiment to see what they could do but yeah, um, yeah, sure. certainly the way Crichton falls off you know in this cube Crichton you know falls off this um, platform he falls a lot further than the height of Starbuck I'm sure he does yeah yeah he does uh, that's, just a, that's just a slow motion putting you off yeah, maybe. <laughs> 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 
the final scene starts and they're back in the cockpit and they're, they're flying away. It doesn't explain what happens to the siren. I'm assuming they just put it in a waste compactor and just shoot it out. Um, just at a guess. Crichton, they're using as a table, so basically walks in with um, a load of drinks on his back and walks into the cockpit and he's, he's not going to go and repair himself until he's done all his chores. Which, to be honest, he can't have that many chores to do since he's been at it for like 200 years on his own. <laughs> It suggests that Red Dwarf's gone back into a nebula and they to follow it. And I just thought it was a very, very good way to end the episode. And it was very much like, um, it reminded me of Voyager. They're on this epic journey now. And yeah, it well, they've, it's one thing they've done with this series now is they've given them a different um, aim. Yeah, that's right. Um, to start off with, it was to get back to Earth and try and fulfill Lister's um dream of a farm on Fiji yeah yeah and they sort of lose the way along the path they seem to lose the way and they seem to just be drifting from space derelict to space derelict not really with any um destination in mind yeah this gives them a definite direction somewhere to go with it so it's um I, I like it as an introduction to a new series it's uh it's a bit of a revamp of uh, right this is what we're doing yeah right well that's the episode review done the next section's the scores Me personally, when I went to, or should I say, when I knew we was going to do the episode Sirens, I was actually racking my brains trying to think, right, all the episodes, Sirens, Sirens, what actually happens in Sirens? And nothing stuck out, to be honest. It was only when I watched the episode again, I was like, ah, this is Sirens. As I said, I thought it was a very, very good start. I thought it was a very, very good end, and I thought it set this series up very, very well. There were some very good one-liners. I'd give this one 7 out of 10. What about you, um, Anthony? Um, I've gone for an 8 out of 10. Okay. Uh, the episode, it's full of guest stars. Um, it's a clever way to bring the viewer up to date with what is happening. Yeah, uh, they yeah. give it a bit of a different direction. Uh, a, a clever way at the end of um, exposing the siren. Um, and it's funny throughout, you know, with the one-liners and everything. I really do like this episode. I've gone for an 8 out of 10 with this one. Fantastic. And finally, Andy? I'll go for a 10 out of 10. I absolutely love this episode. I find it really, really funny. They, I love the uh, analogy-based jokes. Yeah, yeah. They just made me chuckle. chuckle all the way through this episode. I really did like it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, 10 it, out of 10. There were some very, very good lines in this episode. Um, but uh, to be honest, they continue all the way through this series. Well, that's 7, an 8, a 10. So that's 83%. So very good start to this series. The next section is what's going down in Groovestown after a quick advertisement from Onion Radio News. The ghost of Anne Frank tells the world, stop reading my diary. It's the Onion Radio News. I'm Doyle Redland. The ghost of Anne Frank held a press conference today to say she's mortified that for 50 years, millions of people have been reading her diary. Now, everybody knows about my first kiss, my huge crush on the boy upstairs, my first period, everything. Frank strongly urged book readers of the world to put her diary back where they found it. Doyle Redland for The Onion Radio News, online at theonion.com. All right, dudes, what's going down in Groovetown, then? Groovetown, quite a lot in the Red Dwarf news. Oh, first of all, I obviously followed Danny and Robert Llewellyn on Twitter, and they've confirmed that Hit Joggers on Twitter is actually Norman Lovett. And he, he's starting off slow, but he's starting to post stuff, and he, he's even posted, Hi, I'm Norman Lovett, and this is a link to my normanlovett.com. 
UK page. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it's him. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd seen this on the uh, Ganymede and Titan. Um, it had come up on one of the threads, and I'm sure somebody said on there that it's he's had the account for a while but not really been using it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I mean, I think... I've, I've left Twitter now, so it's uh, I've left the Twitterverse, so it doesn't really <laughs> affect me at all. Um, no, I mean, to be honest, what I do with a lot of these people is I tend not to follow them, but I'm I'm a big subscriber of RSS feeds. That's that's how I read all my news, and I just subscribe to you. You know, if you go onto Twitter and then you click on the RSS, if you subscribe mm. to that link, then you see everything that gets posted anyway. But you just that's... don't have to bother with Twitter. Well, think about that. Yeah. Also, thanks to David Williams. He sent me an email. It was, it'll have been last Tuesday. Well, I, I got it Tuesday morning when I woke up. He actually sent through an email just saying, thanks, enjoying the shows. He did, however, mention, he says, you do realise you've named the episode Back to Earth and not Back to Reality. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I jumped out of bed, looked on all the websites. I'm like, where is this? I checked iTunes. It was actually in the ID tag of the episode itself. So if you were playing it through iTunes, you won't have noticed. And if you were playing it through the Podbean site, you won't have noticed. It was only if you downloaded, then played it with like an external player like um, QuickTime. So I had to <laughs> I had to <laughs> remove the two episodes that were on the Podbean site. I then had to just change the ID tag, upload them both. And at that point, Podbean decided to just fall over in a heap like it tends to. And every time I clicked on the upload, uh, or should say the... Um, the manage uploads on the Podbean site, it then changed my username from Scuttercast to Dave Test09, and there was nothing there that gave me an error message. I'm like, no! <laughs> so I had to, that, that's why I posted on the website then. Literally, as soon as I posted that, I, I went and had some breakfast, came back, and it was all good again. So um, the, the episodes were down for maybe half an hour, but oh, what a horrible feeling. I was like, oh no, not again. <laughs> well, when I read that uh, that line in the notes, I actually thought it said David Williams. And I'm thinking, I'm racking my head thinking, does he listen to us on this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm sure David William, Williams doesn't watch. Well, we had a, another email uh, about the last episode from uh, Ben the Fish. Yeah. And he was just saying that... Um, we didn't point out the fact that as the as the crew are leaving the um, artificial reality game suite, yeah, um, you know, when Lister looks in and looks in on how the new crew are doing the replacements, yeah, sure. Um, the new Rimmer has got the smaller H in the circle, you know, the ones that were used in Hollow Ship. Oh, uh, yes, I yes. never, I never noticed that one, and no, me neither. <laughs> it was just nice to receive this email, and I thought, in fact, I sent him a message back saying, um, "Nice to see that we're not the only ones that's overanalyzing." You know, thank <laughs> <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, quite interesting that. Oh, speaking about Ben the Fish, I was listening to um, the latest Here Goes Nothing today, and he's only sent an email to Here Goes Nothing as well. Has he? Yeah, there was. I, a... I've listened to it, and oh no, I've not listened to the latest one. Yeah, there was a, there was a mention at the beginning. Oh, we've had an email from Ben the Fish. I was like, hang on, I know that name. <laughs> ah, ah, he's getting around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> quite big news: Dimension Jump has been postponed um, due to. Uh, I can't remember the exact words he used, but it sounds like a slight lack of interest or, or the numbers weren't high enough. So they've now postponed it till the 8th, 9th and 10th of April 2011. And, well, you can go to dimensionjump.info for the details there. Now, this made me speculate. I was thinking, right, so last time 
the last dimension jump was quite big because everybody had watched the new episodes at Easter. So are we assuming that the new episodes are going to then be after this or at least the advert's going to be out for the new Red Dwarf? Or I'm just thinking, is this April date quite critical to um, how Red Dwarf's going to be in the media? I I personally think it's um, it's because it's it was it's, it's only a few months ago that uh, the last dimension jump was on. Yeah, yeah. And I think people need um, at least a need it to be at least a year later, or you know, as close to a year as you can later. Okay. You yeah. know, and it's um, you know, it's 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 a little over half a year, isn't it? If you take into account that you got to pay for it, um, it, it people take time to recuperate the funds. So I, I generally just think it's down to that. Uh, I've seen some people that have been uh, complaining about uh, other conventions that's taking place. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. Um, now, I had said that I wouldn't be surprised if we got some sort of um, news about filming announced at this uh, Dimension Jump. Yeah, Which, yeah. obviously, if if they are filming this year, it's going to be too late April next year. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'd, I'd made a posting about, wouldn't it be good if this Dimension Jump took place when the actual episodes aired? And they oh, broadcast yeah. them in the hotel. Everybody sat in the room and watched them together. So you watched it on a giant screen in the convention room, you know, full of hundreds of other uh, Red Dwarf fans. Oh, that'd be um, it would. Um, what I've seen, somebody else has posted a similar thought over on Ganymede and Titan. And their thinking was, um, what if it was, um, what if this dimension jump took place a few weeks before the episodes were aired? And they actually got a sneak preview, of maybe you know, maybe the first episode. Ah, that'd be. And that's it's. Um, that sells yeah, tickets. <laughs> I, I think April next year will give us a better dimension jump than uh, you know than we would have had this year. Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, because I think that this year it. I don't. Mom, from from what I've read, I don't think there's any filming started or anything like that yet. So I think this one is just a little bit too early and the media hype has been and gone, I think. Uh, yeah. Back to Earth, there was a lot of media hype. I mean, even like the website's got massive hits with the traffic. And based on that, I think a lot of people... Well, I mean, we were there at the last Dimension Jump and mm. they were saying that a lot of people had actually turned up because of the new Red Dwarf. Well, it was the busiest one they'd had, you know, for so long. Was it the biggest one ever or...? I think so, yeah. And, I mean... Really, this this the next dimension jump. Um, other than people that are, you know, members of the fan club or um, you know go on to fan sites. Yeah, uh, there's not many people outside of that that are going to be familiar with it and going to be aware of it taking place. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, anybody, if if you do want to get your fix of conventions in, uh, some of the news on the um, official red dwarf site yeah uh, is about collector mania 16 which oh, okay. is taking yeah. place um it's friday the 28th to monday the 31st of may okay. and it's taking place at the mk don stadium in milton Keynes, and it's basically it's a big big um i don't know if it's a convention as such i know it's a uh, signing opportunities yeah uh, but it's full looking at the front page of guests it's full of people from star trek and doctor who and uh, terminator and there's you know there's big names going to be there 
Um, according to the website, I mean, I've only looked at the headlights, I've not headlines. I've not looked into details of uh, booking and what have you. Yeah. But it looks like it's free entry. It's just the actual autographs you have to pay for. Ah, yeah. Uh, I was going to go last year. Um, Tony was going to. Uh, I think Tony went down last year. Yeah, it sounds like a, it, it does sound like a good thing. Uh, now there is actually some confirmed Red Dwarf um, guests. Uh, Danny okay. John Jules is confirmed. Excellent. Robert Llewellyn is confirmed. Uh, Norman Levette is confirmed. Oh wow! And Jack Claff is confirmed. Oh okay. Who, who is the uh, Abraham Lincoln in the Meltdown episode? Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, that's that's worth checking out. If you go to um, www.collectormania.com yeah and um if you look at the show notes that i'll put up on monday um the full address is on there um yeah look on there for more details failing that go to the official red dwarf site uk. it's one of the main articles on there fantastic oh just one last thing i want to say is um last week uh, i spent a lot of time doing the websites i tend to use long story short if you follow us on twitter you'll find that any new posts get updated to there so as soon as like scuttercast is released the information gets aggregated from the podbean site and onto the red dwarf site which then goes out onto twitter that then goes on the fiction shed site and updates the fiction shed facebook site as well I've changed all the software that does that in the background because it was a bit crappy, to be honest. The one that I was using, it was putting duplicate posts up there and everything. And to be honest, I'm not sure how how annoying it was for anybody that followed us on Twitter, but that's now fixed. So well, I cancelled my Twitter account because of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought so, so you can now go and join back up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's now all fixed, so don't be afraid to follow us on Twitter. It'll give you the latest updates when the episodes are out and whether there's, well, when there's updates to the website and any news. I mean, like the Dimension Jump, uh, that was posted to the site straight away, which was then tweeted straight out, so we'll announce at the end. Welcome to the Parrot Spa, the place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and... On the way out, Parrot Spa. Over to you, Anthony. Yeah, well, I've um, I've been threatening for a long while to start on a um, Star Trek and a Doctor Who quest. Ah, okay. Uh, basically, go back to the very beginning, watch everything that you can from beginning to the end, and work your way through. Yeah. Um, so I've started. Uh, I've actually started with Star Trek. Um, got hold of all the original series i know you've got them you got them quite recently on I've, dvd i got the blu-ray ones the remastered ones yeah well i've uh, I've, I've downloaded them i've actually started and i've watched both the pilots i've watched uh, the cage which doesn't have james t kirk in it and oh, i watched yes, the yes, yes. um where no man has gone before which was the second pilot and um i gotta say it i really really enjoyed them but the first one, The Cage, I think was better than No Man Has Gone Before. Uh, this is the one with Captain Pike. That's um, right, yeah. I think there's only Spock from the original Cage that um, became a you know, full-fledged crew member of them under Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, he's not, although he's a Vulcan in it, in The Cage... Um, the Vulcans are not without emotion, and he's laughing and joking when they go down to the uh, go down to the planet. Yeah, um, that's right. Shirt colours are all wrong uh, in both episodes. Um, engineering seems to be wearing cream. Spock's wearing cream. Um, 
red shirts, aren't they? It, yeah, everything just it just really, really seems weird. Things that I didn't think would bother me. I was sat there thinking, hey, it don't look right, it don't look right. But <laughs> the stories, I really, really enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't think I'd like the early ones as much. So, um, yeah, started me Star Trek quest and uh, going good so far. Yeah, well, I've still only got to the um, end of series one. Uh, because my other half, she won't watch it with me. So <laughs> basically when I'm not gaming or podcasting or doing whatever, then I actually like go and watch one before I fall asleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it, it's been quite slow going. I've got Caesar, um, series two as well, and I've almost finished series one, but I mean, it's just, it's like, um, I, I think I'm like you, I've started at the wrong end of Star Trek. So I started with like Voyager. And went through all those, um, but when we seen like Captain Pike and stuff in these films, it's just like ah, I know you are now. And well, I've I've seen the the, the original um, episode, the cage with Captain Pike. Yeah. Now that was actually uh, chopped up, and bits of it were inserted into a later on episode of the original series. Yeah. And it's basically, I think. Um, Spock does. I'm going from memory. I've not seen it for years. I think Spock, um, he doesn't follow some orders, or he disappears, steals a shuttle, or perhaps he steals Enterprise. Or so he does something, yeah. and he ends up going on a court case. And um, oh, yes, what yes, he's yes, actually yes. doing, it's um, he's trying to help his old captain, Captain Pike. And then we keep seeing on an evidence screen. That's right. Yeah, shots yeah. which are actually from the original. And uh, yeah, it works. It works really well as a second episode from memory. I mean, obviously, I've got to revisit that episode again. But um, yeah. yeah, really enjoying it. Excellent. Uh, I've also I found out um, that when I'm in Florida, there's. There's a big, um, every year, well, I think uh, last five or six years, uh, Lucasfilm has done a big convention, a uh, big Star Wars convention every year. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Star Wars Celebration, I think it is. I think it's Celebration 5 this year or whatever. It's in Orlando, but it's not until uh, August. And okay. so I was a bit disappointed that I wasn't going to be there for it. And it suddenly occurred to me, last time I was in Florida was actually on our honeymoon, and we missed the... Disney does what they call a Star Wars weekender, and they do it for between four and six weekends every year. Um, and it's mainly a Star Wars-based event, so in one of the parks, and you've got Star Wars parades and stuff like that. Yeah. Star Wars events going off. And I think last time we missed it by a week or two, and I thought, oh... I wonder if I'm there for that. And I just assumed that they'd tie it in with this, um, you know, uh, Celebration 5. Yeah, yeah. Looked into it. The last weekend of the Star Wars Weekender is my first weekend there. So I am actually going to be there. So I'm going to get to see full parades of stormtroopers and biker scouts. And, you know, I might get to kick an Ewok or punch a Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) You know. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm... uh, well chuffed with that. Um, that's going to be pretty awesome, that. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the things, the parades, I'm one of those, uh, you go to Disney, and yes, it's nice to stand and watch them for a couple of minutes, and then it's right, come on, and before the queues form. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas um, Amanda will 
you know, let, let's watch it. Let's wait for the, oh, you know, she'll want to watch the full parade. Yeah. <laughs> What's the betting when it comes to this one? I'm saying, no, hang on, hang on. We haven't, we haven't seen the biker scouts yet. Yeah. <laughs> hang on, hang on. This is the Royal Guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the Emperor's personal guard. No, um, yeah, really looking forward to that. So um, Yeah, that should be pretty awesome. Mm, uh, really come back and buy me Stormtrooper outfit <laughs> too right <laughs> I know I'm like two weeks behind you but I finally saw Kick-Ass um, yes. yesterday now I absolutely loved it my other half just didn't get it at all she didn't like it did she not? no um, which was quite surprising but um, I don't want to go into spoilers because there are still people who haven't seen it out there but just go see it it's an awesome film it's very very action-packed and i just loved it 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 was like i mean i enjoyed watchmen but this was more of a tongue-in-cheek watchmen that that's that's what i got um i've heard people describe it i've when i go to cinema one of my friends we enjoy uh, zombie films and things like that yeah and we call them uh, brainless films, where basically you don't think about it. It's a film that you go in, sit, watch from beginning to end without analysing it, chuck your brain in the bin as you go in, and it's just a big action flick that you sit and enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And Kick-Ass is one of these. Um, but one thing I, I, it did leave me with, I came out of it and I did start thinking about it and I started analysing who are the victims in this film. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you could point to, to this... There's a whole host of characters you could point at and say, well, actually, they're a victim because of um, who that person was, and they're a victim because of the you know upbringing they've had, and they're a victim because of what's happened in their life. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's. Um, I think there's a bit more to it than you know than that. Um, I think yeah, it's, it's definitely really... definitely worth a, a second watch. Um, I've already well, as soon as it's available to pre-order, I'll be pre-ordering it. Oh yeah, but I've I've made a note already that I want this on DVD when it comes out. Yeah, I, I just thought it was brilliant, very abstract. Um, I mean, I thought that I thought maybe they could have chopped ten, fifteen, twenty minutes off it. There were some slower bits, but when the action kicked in, everything it was just fantastic. It, I tell you what, it reminded me of it was a lot like um, Leon. I got that same yes, feel yeah, from it. I know what you mean. Well, there's one bit in it. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but there's one character in it um, that in the film, right from the beginning, you know uh, what this character is all about. Yeah. And one thing they didn't do, which they did in the comics, is keep that quiet. Make, ah, yes, that, a, yes. make that a twist at the end. Um, in the film, it's it's obviously not. And I do think it suffers a bit because of that. Um, to be honest, I... Oh, having, having said that, looking at it another way, I suppose really nobody can ruin the twist for you and you can come out of it disappointed because you figured it out or somebody ruined it for you. Well, to be honest, I, suppose, I listened sorry. to the Suckcast, uh, the Suckass episode where they were reviewing it, and yes. they did mention this very same character and they mentioned exactly what you mentioned. Luckily for me, I then went to the cinema and is as plain as day. It's, it's part of the storyline that this person is going to do what he's going to do. Um, but I think I'd have been slightly good if I'd found out that that was a twist at the end <laughs> and they'd ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very good film. Loved it. Ooh, uh, <laughs> this past Friday night just gone. Inspired by Here Goes Nothing, me and a couple of mates, we got some beers in and thought we'd just um, sample them and do a little bit review. We didn't record any. We, we should have done, really, but um, maybe next time. Bosses shows are long enough nowadays, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need any more audio comments. But what made me laugh was there was a, f- a friend from work, Chris, who's a bit of a 
bit of a lager drinker. Um, all we got, we got four beers. We got one of my favourites at the moment, which is called uh, Zingu, which is like a black beer. It's only 330ml. Uh, really smooth, gorgeous. So we all had one of those each, and we give it a little review and stuff. Next one was uh, Brewdog 77 Lager, which um, really... I, I loved it. It's got a nice aftertaste. Um, after this, we went to the Davenport Busy Fool. And again, really nice. It's got a nice licorice taste. I'm quite used to drinking these beers on a weekend. <laughs> However, Chris, um, who was sat next to me, he got halfway through his uh, Davenport and he started making some strange gurgling noises. I'm like, are you all right, mate? He says, yeah, 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 I'm fine. His cheeks are starting to go red and rosy. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with you? It's like, oh, no, 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 I'm just not a big beer drinker. Not an allergic reaction and he died. <laughs> no, no, no. So basically, uh, we got through the Davenport and... I'm obviously a lot quicker drinker than these two, so um, I'm drinking like bottles of Corona, you know, just to fill in the gaps. <laughs> um, so Devonport down, and we had this other one, I think it was um, called uh, Highgate High Ember, I think it was, which is very similar to the Devonport, just a lot weaker. He got to that, it's a couple of sips, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go home now. <laughs> you puff. <laughs> see, I can't, these, these proper ales, I can't drink many of them. Uh, I think the favourite one that's come from uh, Here Goes Nothing is Old Tom. Yeah. And yeah. like I say, it's a real thick, treacly, I think it's about 8.6%, something like that. Yeah. I drink a bottle of it and that's enough. It's That's nice, just one bottle. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. sit and drink a couple of them, two, three, four of them, and go on to a proper tasting session or anything like that. Yeah. You know, not unless I was sharing a little bit with a group of you and. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. the only way you could try a few of them, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, we only had four bottles, but I think we worked it out that um, just in these four bottles, there was like 18, 19 units. Right, thought, yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> I understand why I went red and made gurgling noise and went home. <laughs> podcast of the week. This week's podcast of the week, as you heard from the clip earlier, is from the onion website and it's the onion radio news yeah it's um I'm, it's going to be a short and sweet one because that's pretty much what this podcast is um what was played earlier is a full episode yeah. it is quite literally 30 seconds long 40 seconds long 60 seconds long that's it and i tend to just pop it on they, they come through every every day every couple of days something like that um like i say just a few seconds long i tend to just stick them on at the start of the day uh stick my ipad on in the car on my way to work first thing i've got on my uh, podcast playlist is normally the onion that i pop up there and it's just something just to put a smile on my face uh, as you've heard it's a spoof news report and that is pretty much it and there's you know it covers all sorts um it's done in a proper tongue-in-cheek american newsreader style uh, there was one uh, going back a couple of months where the uh, news reporter left his job and then his replacement came in and reported on the news reporter that's just left his job and you can hear him in the background packing his stuff up uh, yeah it's uh, <laughs> i wouldn't say it's hilarious uh, it just makes me start the day with a smile some of them really crack me up some of them i'm left scratching my head thinking what was that about right uh, okay and yeah, it's I, I enjoy it. It's uh, it's a podcast that I can tick off on my playlist as done, and it's literally sixty seconds long. Fantastic. Okay, well, I'll probably give those a listen as well because um, I did actually like that clip. It was very funny. 
well, it, uh, to be honest with you, it helps if I give the um, address out as well, don't it? It's, yeah, if, okay. if you look up uh, The Onion on uh, iTunes, uh, or alternatively, you can go to their website, which is it's it's a, it's a spoof news website. The whole site is spoof news. And it's www.theonion.com. And I think there's a little tab up on the top somewhere that says uh, Onion Radio. You click on that one and you can listen to all the uh, old Onion Radio reports. Yeah, okay, well, thanks very much. Well, that's this week's episode done. If you want to come and join us in the forum, it's reddwarfforum.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, now we'll fix the feed, it's <laughs> twitter.com forward slash reddwarfforum. If you want to send in any emails, it's scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. And finally, if you want to find us on facebook um look under the main company site which is fiction shed and uh we've seen people join every week so thank you very much and hopefully uh the information is good enough for you okay well that's it and we're back in two weeks with legion so until then see ya bye bye